Hello. Do you uh do you have your Lego set ready? Because it's time to connect this. <laughs> so I'm so glad that Kim's muted right now because I can't hear her her praise as she's amazed at that intro. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Just came up with it 10 seconds ago. Who would have guessed? Uh welcome. Uh we got a fun show talking about a number of things that are happening. We'll spiral off into the fun details, which are why we get together uh to talk about those details and hidden facets you wouldn't have expected. Uh to hear that I'm surprised at things and that Travis doesn't know who's gonna go after the money. Uh Kim, uh Kim, you already you already jumped on. Kim 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 McKinley from Utopia Fiber. Welcome back. Thanks for learning how to say my name. We've only done this like a hundred times, but I Mick, Mick Kim McKinley Mick Mick. <laughs> Nice to be here. Nice to be here on this lovely Thursday uh, to talk about um, everything that makes Travis happy. So Is this like your eighth or ninth uh, video show of the week? Technically, I'm taking two days off this week. So only my, well, one was pre-recorded. So third one of this week. <laughs> oh, and, and are you taking time off because it's your birthday? Uh, it was yesterday. Can you tell? I got the Botox so you can't see that I aged a year since the last time we did this. <laughs> Happy birthday, Kim. Thank you. 42. Let's see how it goes. Wow. I thought you were like, I'm going to finish that sentence off. <laughs> I'm right around there too. And I feel like, I feel like you're simultaneously, like you look a lot younger, you feel a lot younger and, uh, but you seem to have more wisdom than I've ever been able to accumulate. So, uh, Doug, Doug Dawson's there bright and colorful. Hey, how are you doing? I am. I am bright and colorful. It's always good to be here because how else would I finish a Thursday? So <laughs> it looks like you got some uh, some Grateful Dead camping going on. Uh, oh, this is just the, it's a bear band. Here, oh, okay. So. All right. I thought it, I, I could just see the I guess the the stringed instrument. It looked like um, to me like a uh, roasting marshmallow because I'm I got camping <laughs> on the brain after last weekend. <laughs> um, there's probably one though. Let's see if you can come up with one for two weeks. There's one for everything. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then we got Travis Carter from USI Fiber. How you doing? I'm well, Mr. Mitchell. You? Huh. I'd be doing better if I didn't screw around the guys from your uh, office today. Well, um, I thought you were at home. Uh, so I, I biked home. I biked into the office because I had to get access to our, our robust upload connection from uh, CenturyLink Fiber because I'm trying to get a bunch of stuff synced onto Dropbox and it will kill my Comcast data cap. So I biked into work. And then also the USI folks were coming today to, in, to do the internal installation uh, for inside wiring and stuff. And they got here and, and this is the first topic. Um, as so often happens, I'm sure, we walked over to the room that they had to get into and there's now a lock on that door. And I was like, uh, where'd that lock come from? <laughs> and I tried to find the keys and I got help and the keys didn't unlock the door. And so your folks left to go to a, do a different install. And then they were kind enough to rearrange the day and come back and they're there right now. So oh, very nice. Um, but I, I'm guessing that this is par for the course, right? Like you constantly have to deal with this. I, it doesn't even surprise me. And I'm sure Kim can relate. Every day is a day full of opportunities. And today's day was a locked door. And by the way, happy birthday, Kim. Thank yes. you. And I think <coughs> that doesn't you put never, ISR. Yeah. yeah. No, you never know where um, like the locked doors and businesses and where the telco room and where people think they have access and where they don't have access. And um, mm -hmm. it's interesting. Businesses are very interesting installs. Uh, residentials are a little a little easier for the most part, but we have our challenges there as a, there as well. 
it does mean ISLR is really not all that interested in fiber if you're not even ready for them. So I, I, I don't, I don't really a, know what to say about that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I have this arrogance of I, like, I know what's going on. We've been in this building for like eight or nine, maybe 10 years. And uh, I was like, I, I basically run this place. What's, you know, what do I have to worry about? And, and sure enough, there's a, there's a new lock. And yeah. Um, uh, it turns out that they really need to get access to where the fiber comes into the building to, to do this work. So, <laughs> who knew? I have a question. Are you flagged as a VIP in uh, Travis's system? Yes. Although I think Travis flagged oh, no, 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 as a VIP. Chris asked me to get things going, so it got delayed by, I don't know, four months. But now that, now, <laughs> now that, I, now that I'm out of the way, I think things are moving along very well. But I, I just picked up on something on that statement that I just really feel like I'd like to see. Chris riding his bicycle. No, we do not. Yeah. No, do you, have, like, you, have, you have a card in it, a little task. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen like the Tour de France. They like zoom by you, so like you really got to pay attention, or else you miss me. Oh, please tell me you're not wearing those shorts. No, I, I'm not right now. I'm not. I mean, I'm oh, not no. on my bike right now, so no. But, okay. but the, you know, the high handlebars are an issue, though. You know. So. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a very accomplished bicyclist. I bicyclist. I've accomplished falling off in many different ways. Uh, I'm an accomplished bicyclist. I've never heard that before. Travis, I'm gonna bike out to your house. Uh, I'll do that. Um, for the triple or nothing bet we're gonna end up there um so i just want to say like i um i you know the usi guys come it's these two younger guys and uh i was like oh yeah like i know your ceo and they're like you know travis and uh they're like travis is great and uh so uh you know you pretty good reputation one of the guys i think has a brother or someone else is already working um worked his way up through the knock and uh uh, anyway, he said he worked for a number of other ISPs and that you have total cred because you guys do things better. Yeah, except they've never met Team Utopia. So, well, that, fair enough. But second of all, <laughs> they don't watch your employees, don't watch you on Connect This, Travis. I mean, I'm more they're too busy in style. No, yeah, well, you can relate, Kim. We're too busy working up here to chit chat about uh, free government money. And well, I think. When, when I mentioned I did the show with Travis, um, you know, I think they assumed that he would be out on his super yacht somewhere as opposed to oh, actually yeah, doing something yeah, related yes, to work. Yeah, over here, yes. Yeah. Um, I did see, so we have a number of different topics. We're going to talk about a number of community approaches to broadband that have been in the news lately. We're going to talk about uh, ACP churn. We're going to talk about whether or not Charter and Frontier, if we should have like uh, uh, any sort of uh, schadenfreude or whether there's... Um, uh, you know, we're regarding recent fines with those companies or whether it's a, it's a, something that is uh, is actually something that we shouldn't take lightly because uh, employing people is difficult and you have to take responsibility for them. Uh, and uh, maybe a couple of other items. This is definitely one where if people want to throw things in the chat that we should talk about. We will uh, be happy to ignore you. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. This would be a great time to, um, to suggest them. But I wanted to start with something that I saw as a headline, and that's that uh, it looks like Yellowstone Fiber was in the news saying that uh, they want uh, a big pile of government money. Uh, Travis just said that about that. And so, uh, Kim, I'm I'm just sort of curious because it sounded like, you know, basically there's a good business case in parts of it. And then other areas, the Californians don't want to pay a ton to uh, buy the new homes with uh, fiber in it. Absolutely. I think when we keep saying Yellowstone Fiber, when, when Utopia started helping them out in this partnership that we have, it is a, a countywide project. Uh, we are starting in Bozeman City Limits just because you want, you have the closer proximity and we can make the economics work in, in Bozeman very easily. But on some of these big ranches where they need the connectivity for um, like the agriculture and what um, agriculture is really needing, 
now it's, it's the, the the numbers don't pencil like and travis would know this better than i you so what we're looking at is that they are looking to apply for all of this money because they do qualify for a lot of these areas um hopefully we should hear back they can hear back in the next week um for the arpa may that the state is coming out with but i think august 9th is when they they projected that would they would uh, announce the winners of that so we could uh possibly be building in the rural areas of gallatin county sooner rather than later but uh one good thing is and i will tell you this chris is that we start we finished this bonding with them in january is when we close the bond our first customers are getting their conduit put in in august and with first installs happening in september wow yeah wow that, that's fast it's, it's hard to do it in less than 10 months that's excellent yeah, yeah. yeah. so we're we we already have people who signed up and uh they start getting conduit in uh 10 days is when that that the drop crew start start rolling so huge huge accomplishment for the um oh, and the team up there, uh in bozeman well good i'm glad to see that and i hope that you do get some subsidies because you're the kind of project that we want the subsidies to be going toward in terms of being a proper technology that will be working 10 years from now and we'll have competition on it and all kinds of other good things it's uh it's exactly what we should be supporting with the public dollars if we're going to spend that money anywhere by the way, let's shout out to the a fellow active Ethernet approach to doing this. Mm -hmm. Good work, good work, Kim. It, and and to say, Travis, and I don't know if you know this, is this started off. It um, there was a legacy loop up in Bozeman because uh, it was Bozeman Fiber, now Yellowstone Fiber, um, which was a GPON. So we are transitioning all of those customers off the original GPON network to an active e network. So nice, yeah. Which, by the way, I nerded out and sent around the Bidai hundred gig optics are now available. So. 100 gig to the home coming soon in Minneapolis just for fun. So, yeah. So, well, let's I, just be I'm sorry. I think we have to hold out for a terabit fiber to my house. <laughs> so, Travis, just quickly, what what is Bidai and what is the price point that is reasonable now compared to the 10 gig optics? Well, I assume Kim's doing the same. We run, we run a single fiber to every everything. So, every building, a home, et cetera. And uh, the optics that you run on there are bi directional, basically. Uh, we can get nerdy, but it doesn't matter. You know, transmit and receive on the same uh, single piece of fiber. And now there are 20 kilometer, 100 gigabit uh, standard form factor optics that have just started to ship. So we'll do one just for fun, we'll make a little YouTube video on it and say, yep, just to show the future, how future proof running a dedicated strand to every everything is. So we've been talking about this for years that that's the capability and why we run active e networks because of the the capability of scaling to the future growth needs of customers yes are we seeing that people are going to need 100 gig yeah it will be travis but we are seeing and i think this is an interesting thing is now more employers are paying for their um, employees internet connections because people are working from home so we have seen an uptick of 10 gig residential connections on the utopia fiber networks i think people are like well if the business is paying for it I totally need 10 gig. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, 10 gig is not enough. And how much is that price for um, um, different ISPs? It's about $200 for 10 gig. Okay. Um, I was just, I, I was talking to John Chambers today. I'll give you a little uh, hint of uh, the podcast that's coming out in uh, about 10 days in the community broadband bits feed. Uh, but he does talk about how in the networks that they're building, and we talk specifically about Oklahoma and Oklahoma Electric Cooperative, and 
Um, and they've released a two gig product, I believe there. And uh, they're seeing a dramatic uh, taking of that. Uh, uh, they have three different products that um, that I believe, and I might be confusing Oklahoma Electric with, uh, with uh, Connexon, some of their other clients, including the Connexon service that they provide directly. Um, but they are seeing a tremendous uptake of both gigabit and multi-gigabit packages. People want speed. They don't. They don't know. They don't know that they the two gigs is absolutely no better than one gig. But they well, I was really curious how much of the, how many of them have gone because I've been trying to price out that Soho gear and like even just two point five gigabit, um, you know, um, switches for the home office are not cheap and like not easy to find. It was actually a question I had for Doug. You know, when you're when you're talking to all these folks, is latency and jitter becoming more of a conversation than speed? Or is it still all speed, speed, speed? I'm trying to make that the conversation okay. because that's the, jitter is the real problem with cable companies. Their yeah. speeds are fine, but it's the jitter. I mean, I, I've probably been kicked off this podcast three times as we do it, and that's and I and I have a 400 megabit download, but the jitter is bad enough that the upload doesn't work. Jitter should be talked about more. People are not talking about it. They don't understand it, um, but. But they know they don't like the they don't they know they don't like the cable company and and it takes a while to explain to them why they don't so it's not a speed issue. Yeah, so. I didn't know we were going to go get a cocktail when you like jumped off. I didn't know that you were going to have issues. No, I have two cats and they decided that if I didn't give them a treat right now, my legs were going to bleed. So I decided that was worthwhile. <laughs> they they always hold me hostage when I'm online. They do it. They, they go, he's talking. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I sent you guys an email that showed the effect of jitter and latency and, and consistency. And I, I just, very few people are appreciating that fact. So Doug's yeah, doing yeah. good work to get that. Yeah, latency is not that big of an issue for the, the normal technologies. It's really the jitter. Jitter's bad. So, yeah. So we have a telecom peekaboo for the first time in a while. Thank you, Rye. Um, we don't talk about a religion enough uh, on this show, but uh, I thought we'd bring it in here. With a... <laughs> and I don't even know if there's a fable, uh, cable co uh, connection there. It looks like um, uh, mostly power, but I thought it'd be an interesting uh, discussion just about poles in, in general. Well, I've actually seen this picture. Actually, some, it's on one of my blogs somewhere. Uh, this is somewhere like Romania, I believe. It was after a really bad storm, but they never, ever came back and fixed it. Obviously, those are pretty powerful wires that are, the power wires are pretty taut if they're holding that pole up near. <laughs> when I was talking with people learning about um, uh, aerial versus underground many years ago, I was, we were talking about when poles get broken and, and they were talking about how the steel strand will hold up multiple poles if needed, but that, that you lash the fiber too. And one of the things they said was that often the electric lines work just fine too, but by policy, by law, uh, you have to cut power uh, if the pole is separated. The, the company is obligated, I believe, to turn it off. Well, this thing may work fine until there's a really windy day, and that's really going to be a problem. Yeah. So, I'm I'm curious what that the cable is between the two parts. That's the one I don't understand. So, I don't either. Yeah. I th yeah. I mean, I wonder if they if that's partially to prevent it from sailing too much in the wind. It looks like maybe it's a little like uh, it's not very tether. Hot. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I assume that it's um, you know, it's like uh, um, what what do they call it? The uh, the line on a boat to the dock. Come on, yeah. Travis. I just accused you of having a super yacht. You should know this. I call it the line. Yeah. The line. <laughs> yeah, the line. <laughs> 
This is a good segue, though. If you hadn't had a chance, go back and read Doug's uh, Pots and Pans for August 1st. I thought it was super interesting, the one where you talk about reusing existing easements, about how people just assume if they have an easement on a pole, they can use it. I thought that was something I never considered. You know, Travis, what I've learned about you is that you read Pots and Pans a lot, and you watch every podcast in the industry. I think that's what you do. Your employees think you do on your super. Uh, no, you know, and I also watch city council meetings of the cities we work in. Just to, oh, that's a tough one. So it makes the rest of them look pretty easy. Yeah. Wow, you're in your money there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the what do I want to go? Is, let's just move on. Um, the one of the topics I want to talk about, Holland, Michigan. So we talk a lot about things that are going wrong. We talk about um, all the, the referendums that failed in, in Maine, the attacks on the public process from Charter Spectrum and the, the various sock puppets that they fund. Uh, but Holland, Michigan voted yesterday and it was close, closer than I would have liked to have seen, but they are taxing themselves to build a municipal fiber network. Um, Doug, do you go back? Did you ever work on Holland at all? They've been around for I, decades. I have worked with them a little bit from time to time, not a major amount, but I've you know, I've had chat, a number of chats with them over the years. Yeah, it took them a long, long time to get here. I yeah, I mean, they've tried just about everything. They've done they've yeah. done dark fiber. Uh, they've done, uh, I think, uh, like a, more of a managed open access. They've they've done some of their own retail access in different places, and uh, now they're going to be building out to everyone. And they they're taxing themselves rather than doing a bond or something else, uh, in part to make sure they can offer low prices to families that are struggling, so they don't have that stress in the business model. And I think that's pretty yeah. impressive. Absolutely. So I wasn't sure if... Uh, well, um, the interesting news there is that the cable company spent $100,000 to fight the referendum. Um, mm -hmm. It's a town of 12,000 homes. That's, you know, they... I don't know how they spent the 100000 I would imagine they sent people door to door. That's probably how they spent it. But, and it was very close, 200 votes. So they obviously talked a lot of people into voting against it. So. But I think that's an important thing that we should mention is that we're seeing these votes come down to handfuls. I mean, you have the right. one in Hayesville, Utah that that failed by a handful of votes, right? So it is it is like that cities around the country should be aware that the, that the incumbents will do these kind of campaigns. But I'm hearing more and more that cities are like, oh, that's not going to happen here. And you're like, but it will. And you need to be prepared for that when you go into these projects. And I always advise cities to put these referendums on a big election date, not on some cities hold an election just for the referendum and nobody shows up. Mm. So then the, then the little old people who don't want their taxes to go up, all come out and vote and it's hard to get. To <laughs> Although some of those, that, some of those still pass by overwhelming numbers, but I agree Sometimes, with you that I think it's, right? I think it's foolish and anti-democratic to like, willfully engage in that kind of a strategy. Um, yeah. uh, you, you want, you want to vote an election where a lot of people are voting. You do. Your hands up. I wasn't sure if he's about to take an oath. No, no, I, I was trying to be polite. I, you know, I've always been meaning to ask him and Doug. You know, when are the are the cities difficult to deal with <laughs> on an ongoing basis? Because let's just imagine that the people that vote this in and champion this legislation don't run again, or they get they get booted out of the local government, and now the new person comes rolling in. I mean, d d does does that take the wind out of the sails in these in these towns, or do they tend to keep going? Oh, I, th that's one of the biggest risks of a muni, a muni standalone. Brian, I don't know about Kim's; she can talk later. But there have been several cities who a new administration didn't want the business anymore. Lafayette, Louisiana, the 
got a mayor who tried to sell off not only the fiber business but the entire electric business okay and which so, has been going on for 120 years they've been like different mayors right. have tried to sell that off despite the fact that it saved like 100 million dollars in the community yeah. over the last 40 years it's, so the, the answer is it's not it's not a reliable business structure when you can have a change of government that changes their mind on it so that that's always an issue with cities there's five or six now muni systems who sold to somebody privately i mean so they they run it for a while and then sell and some of them are not unhappy with that and it's not because of a change of administration they're going look our goal was to get fiber we don't really want to be an isp forever so now everyone has fiber we're going to sell the system off but i, or, I, curious, or, I mean I'm, but I'm curious if anyone in utopia has ever gotten called so when we do a, a vote um for a new city uh any new city we require a unanimous city council um a vote because we do not want this to be politicized we do not want to be drug into the fights that these things can get into um so we will like our board so when the city votes for it then we'll our board will countersign it if it is not a unanimous vote our board has basically said to us that they don't they would not necessarily countersign it um like if it's one rogue city council person they might they, they, but they they usually want a unanimous vote because as yeah. utopia knows, we've been politicized enough, right? We've had people in the past who've done that, and we just don't want to go down that road because nobody wins. Nobody wins. And we operationally, how does it work then? So okay, so the, the the council unanimously agrees, then the next council comes in, right? And you're still in the middle of but that's this different from utopia, and like this that's is very common. Different yeah, the, yeah. Where, where the where gets some problem is when the city is the actual ISP, mm -hmm. and in their case. There, there's debt there, and it doesn't really matter how the future city council feels. That okay, 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 okay. Yeah, well, it's just like right. anything else. Like if you're building a bridge and a future city council is like, we don't want that bridge. Well, too bad. You know, it's not <laughs> right. your it's too late. Right? I think but that's the problem, yeah. yeah, of utopia in the past is that when it was politicized a lot from the original 11 cities, people would be like, well, a new city council will be like, we want to get out of this utopia thing. And you're like, you can't. But they would do this in the press and say this because they were uneducated of how it really worked. And so you were having to go back behind the scenes and be like, talk to them after they get elected and go, that's a cute idea, but that is not going to happen. <laughs> get out of a deal. So, uh, but I think it's education of the city councils and understanding. But for us, once they, once they sign that deal and the debt's in place, I mean, you're kind of stuck into it. You really can't get out of it. Gotcha. Well, this, 30, this 30 years from now, they could get out after the yeah. debt's paid off if they really yeah. want it. Absolutely. Well, this, but although know, the network would still be there, right? They just wouldn't right. be a part of it anymore. The um, one of the other reasons, like Doug has said, that cities may get out of it is uh, cities may have restrictions in terms of how they can run it and whether they can expand. And some of these networks are doing all right, but they really want regional benefits, and and they want that fiber to be extended. And so, like, you know, Opelika was uh, wasn't wasn't crushing it like Chattanooga, uh, but they seem to be doing all right, and they were on a path for success. But they sold it to Point Broadband in part because Point Broadband would expand it, and now Point Brand Broadband is is bringing that to a lot of Eastern Alabama, from what I can tell. Got right, and, and that's really what their goal was, and and the laws there did not make it easy for them to move out. In fact. That was such a unique situation. The city was not officially an ISP because they danced around that because of the state laws. It's always, you know, those things are a whole different mess. We could spend three shows talking about that. So, <laughs> so Doug, did you ever work on Ashland, Oregon? No, that's one that I've not worked on. So Ashland built what's called the... Um... Ashland Fiber Network, AFN, although it's a coax network built in the late 90s. And it um, 
uh, was built uh, really kind of with the best technology of the day with small loop sizes with a, a goal of being able to deliver high quality internet access well into the future and whatnot. Um, and my understanding is in talking to people that it was poorly managed from the start. Uh, the, the, the basically end up spending about two times as much as they thought they would um, in building it. And in the early years, it was really struggling. Um, and not only that, but they were had a local cable company that was doing a really bad job, but then it got purchased by, I thought it was Time Warner Cable, but maybe it was Charter right away. And, um, and then it said that got rehabbed and suddenly became a lot better um, because they had to fight for customers. Um, anyway, the whole story of that is, is that right now they're looking at whether or not to upgrade it. And, uh, and it's a $10 million cost to upgrade um, this network. Um, and there's this talk about how they don't want any debt. The city doesn't want any debt, so they, they might just sell it off, which to me is one of the dumbest things <laughs> I've heard. But it, re it went into a question that I particularly want to get. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a discussion around that, but I wanted to talk to um, Kim about this specifically because um, in the in about 10, 15 years ago, I believe, um, and I didn't dig into this too deeply, but, but city taxpayers ended up paying a chunk of the costs that Absolutely. the city had incurred, right? And this is why it's called Ooh. a failure in part. Um, and, but now it's doing well again, and it's actually making money and paying for itself and actually contributing half a million dollars to the general fund each year. So um, we're doing a story about it. And I ethically, I felt like because we're always accused of like of subsidizing these networks that we had to make a point about saying this network had been subsidized over the years. And uh, and I was wondering, like, that's even, it, for most people, it's probably irrelevant, but I no. just thought it was question yeah so one of the things that in early utopia you know before i got here but no some of this was when i was at utopia is that the legislator here in utah said you cannot use bond proceeds to pay for operational costs which i don't think is a bad thing you don't pay a credit card with another credit card right right that's actually pretty common in a number of yeah. states i believe yeah so we were paying our salaries through um bond proceeds because we were not operationally break even at the time so when they passed that legislation uh the cities had to come together and um, push out more money to uh, keep us the doors open. Um, some cities agreed to do it. Some cities uh, kind of didn't. And some, some of the bigger cities picked up the slack on that. What has happened now, we are, we are absolutely operationally break even, but we've already paid back all those, the, the loan that they gave us for that. But people don't hear that part of the story a lot of times. They only hear the part that they want to hear and not what has happened since then, because it's only what is salacious makes the news, not necessarily all good news. That's why like Travis doesn't like any um, federal programs because it's never good news about what's successful, only bad news. So at these happen. Well, and the other, the other thing that happens is, and this is just IS, big ISPs being buttheads, frankly, almost every new fiber business loses money on a tax basis mm -hmm. because of the depreciation expense. You know, you don't make a net profit on your books, even though you may be cranking lots of cash. And then, and then they're always pointing the finger at them going, look, they're losing money. It's like, no, they're not. They're actually making a lot of money and they're just not having a tax liability. And by the way, they're a city and they wouldn't pay taxes anyhow. So who the heck cares about that number? Right. I think the, the idea yeah. being right, the, the tax situation, or I mean, the accounting uh, principle is one that like in theory, they should be putting money aside that is that is going to prepay then to rebuild the network in the future and to pay for future costs. Is that right? Um, that's that's the theory, but the fact is they're going to go 50 or 70 years from now and, and get another bond to rebuild. Exactly. Bond. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it's going to work. And, yeah. and it's going to be a and long time. That's what you makes really, sense to you do. You really start a sinking fund now. The fiber might last for 75 years. 
But I think it, there's a no-win situation in government on these networks. So if you make too much money, people are going to criticize you. If you don't make enough money, people are going to criticize you. If you're too big of a success, if you're if you're not, like, right. it's, where do you win? I mean, where do you want to win? If if Utopia came out and said we're making like so much money, people would be like, then why are you, why are you why are your prices so high? Like, right. and if you had a huge sinking fund, everyone would be wanting you to use that money to lower the rates. And so you yeah. can't, you absolutely can't win. Yeah. So. So Travis, are you convinced that government is awesome? <laughs> you know, I, I do want to commend my local government. You know, I think after that fat check I wrote them, they didn't fix the pothole out in the front of my house. So thank you. This is like, I mean, you live in a, a pretty small town, right? That's what we're talking about here. Were you like, you know the folks? Actually, it's actually the one on the freeway. I just think it's better for the show if I just go, it's right over there. But yeah, there's it's, it's two when you exit off the freeway. But they fixed them. And I, and I swear they must have spent at least $12 on Hot Patch to do it. So they're federal do- or state dollars at work. So, I mean, Travis, you had asked the question about whether it's hard to work with local governments. And I just, I laughed. And I think it's worth remembering, like local governments exist as an abstraction of the people that live within them. And the people that live within them are a incoherent, raging mass of lunatics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I feel like the fact that local government holds it together at all is generally a pretty good sign. You know, I, I actually, I find at least a lot of really good, competent people in our local government, but it always, it's like reshuffling the deck every four years. That's the frustrating part is you'll just start having momentum. Then all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of new people in and you That's have to go back. Are dumb. Yeah. You got to go back through the education process, build credibility. And then a couple of years later, you get a whole new batch of people. So I've always been curious how, you know, Kim and her staff navigates all that operationally. Because we usually work with city managers or city staff and not elected officials because that you have the consistency of these people who've been a part of the projects. Our two, we have two boards at, at Utopia um, and the two board chairs have been a part of this project since the very beginning. Um, uh, so they understand the history and then we go out and help educate others of what's going on. So, yeah, we've kept it very consistent um, through the years. So we are very lucky. But one thing I wanted, I, I just wanted to bring up back to Chris's point is, I'm hearing this over and over again from communities, and I think that this is being sold to communities, that these broadband networks can be um, money makers for the community. And with the margins being as tight as they are in some of this and the, the scrutiny, like they'll be scrutinized, why would they, why are cities going into the, this thinking they will be money makers? And second of all, I'm hearing a lot of vendors who are telling these people that they're going to be money makers. That's awful. I don't hear that as much, but that is dumb. People should not. Listen I will, to this I will tell you why they hear that. There's some really crappy consultants in this industry who tell them that. I've seen some consultant reports telling a city that they're going to spin off huge cash in five years. And, and cities don't get any money on these for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And so the fact is they're getting bad advice. And of course, vendors just want to sell the equipment. So, you know. I mean, the, the worst thing you can do, there's two big vendors out there, which who I will name, but they have free feasibility studies they will do for you, which say, only say, yes, you should build this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Although I, I do want to say that I feel like um, I think we could all name really ethical vendors as well. Some folks I oh, yeah, do, do really great, um, absolutely. I think, accurate work. Um, to that, me. Was not, that was not an accusation of all vendors at all. No, but, there I, are, but there are some who are. And again, it's even there, I don't think it's the vendor. I think it's the particular salesperson. Yes. No, but I think the problem, too, is that sometimes when a good consultant tells somebody no, 
then they they kind of get pushed aside because the people don't want to be told no that it's not possible. Yes. Although there are some <laughs> consultants that I would consider to be not that great who also tell communities no and oh. then have to be rescued because it actually is a plan. That, there will be a plan that can work. I've, I've seen people say no to plans that make sense. Yeah, it works both ways. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to I wanted to talk briefly about one of the networks that we've talked about before, uh, Lincoln, uh, Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska has possibly the worst laws on the books to stop cities from building their own networks. And Lincoln, um, they uh, they decided to lease air because the state law allows them to lease air. So they put a conduit system uh, underground and they lease air within the conduit system to people that can put their uh, fiber in it. Um, they can that works- do whatever they want with the air. Right. right, exactly. That's <laughs> not in, in dispute, and uh, and they 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 parlayed that into multiple providers in the downtown area and the business districts, and then uh, kind of did a real nice public-private partnership with Allo, uh, new provider that popped out of Nebraska five seven years ago, something like that, and uh, and that's been a I think a pretty good success. Lancaster County is now building on that, which I think is is terrific. So that's the county around Lincoln. They're going to be expanding that network, and um, they're going to be touching uh, three new cities. Cities, uh, 10 villages, two census designated places, and nine unincorporated communities. And if that doesn't give you a sense for how complicated local government is, <laughs> I don't know what will. All of those entities to agree to do anything. It's really hard to work with those whole county things. I do it all the time and it's it's a challenge. But Kim is Kim has the the pro tip of the day. Work with the staff, not the electeds. So I like that. I wrote that down. You realize half of the entities that he just named don't have any staff. (laughs) (laughs) Little towns have a a mayor, three city councilmen, and there's one guy who does, he's called a city manager, and he does everything. But in fairness, is is size of the town easier to work with? I mean, is is Los Angeles, California going to be more difficult to deal with than Lancaster, Nebraska? Yeah, I mean, in I'm the trying, in the practical sense of it. Since I'm trying to work with them right now, yeah. They're really okay. Nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a function of of a like there's a, there's less there's much more the smaller you get the more practical folks are I think. Yeah. Um, although you, it really depends. Then it's a it's like anything else. Um, I just I was listening to someone and they're talking about the, the um blackjack. You tend you know, the, the dealer tends to win, but that doesn't mean the dealer always wins. And, and so like, it tends to be more pragmatic at the local level, but you can meet some real yahoos at the local level and they may have unchecked power. Really. I would just like to let you know that we have built a city in which they didn't even have markings of where the water was. There was one guy who knew where the lines were and we were having to walk with that guy to say, where did it go? Where does it not go? Like, I think that there's a sweet spot. I think if you get too small, people want to be too much in the process of what's going on. And if you're too big, it's too bureaucratic. There's like a sweet spot where I feel like people are more sane and they have other things to do in their life besides like talk to the broadband people all day long. And then there's just too big where they put so much. Um, well, and most of your cities are in that medium size, yeah. so they are the sweet sides. But yeah, the little yeah. guys are not easy. Well, they're all super friendly because there's one thing we can stereotype about Utah: it's that they're they're friendly folks. We, you know, Chris, that is fair. When I bought my house, I came home one day and my neighbor was in my backyard mowing the grass, like open the fence and in the backyard. I had just never even experienced that, so I would say that is a accurate depiction of Utah. Now, I'm going to ask some questions to make it sound like I've never actually watched this show before, but uh, how, <laughs> how you know, how big of towns are we talking about, Kim? I mean, uh, population-wise, would you say? I, I mean, like, it's usually around fifteen to 20,000. I mean, 
like it, it can go from 15 to 50,000. Um, like we've done smaller communities of like three um, up to the like the second largest city in Utah, which is West Valley City with a population of 150,000. So okay. which, I think since Kim started that sentence, the population of West Valley City has increased by about 2,500. <laughs> okay, so it's a little bit more, yes. <laughs> Okay, so that, that's you're saying that those are the kind of the sweet spot of yes, in the middle of those. I think those are too where, like, where you where you can have success. You've got enough subscribers to offset the the bond debt, and yeah, you, yeah. It, can, it can be a successful model. Got yeah, it. so we have the smallest city is Woodland Hills with about 300 vertical homes, um, up to West Valley, which has probably about 30,000 uh, vertical oh. homes. Yeah. So I wanted to pop over to a totally different topic then, which is uh, um, Charter got fined or Charter lost a, 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 um, a court case in which um, it's not really a, maybe it's a fine, but there's a judgment against them that will almost certainly be reduced. But it's billions of dollars after one of their um, contractors killed someone, I believe, murdered. Um, Frontier is being fined a, a smaller amount uh, because in Connecticut because uh, they hired a bunch of contractors that were just skipping corners and clipping corners or doing whatever you do to corners. that's so not legit and um, cutting corners. And I suppose they, there's reason that there's alliteration there. Um, and, uh, and, and I guess one of the, the things that I would say is that I don't have sympathy for them. And I feel like, you know, these stories are popular on the internet because people are like, I hate those companies. Yeah. Like let's give it to them. But I just, I mean, I think it's worth talking about whenever Travis is around, I feel like it's really worth getting that perspective of someone, you know, like, and, and now Kim, you have to deal with this too, because you have to market around, you know, like this, the fact that your contractors may not be giving you a good image. Um, so, uh, but like, you know, how much should we expect? Like, is Charter really to blame for our contractor killing people? No, I mean, the fact is any person from any company can go off the rails. Uh, I mean, I, I have someone who's supposed to do work on my house who just disappeared last week. I mean, a 47 year old guy with family. It's like, was he in your house and then he never came out? No, no. Well, that's a good question. But no, he's never actually gotten started yet. But the fact is, people go off the rails and, and that can happen to anybody at any company. It's not just the post office. So, did he yeah. disappear because he ran away or did he disappear because like he's now? I can't figure that out yet. Yeah, is he a resident of your basement? Is okay. what we're asking. No, no. <laughs> Okay. You mean my basement that has 100 years of dioxin in it? I hope not for his sake. <laughs> I can't wait till the next Connect This that we're all on it to see what happened to Doug's uh, contractor. We're going we're gonna to actually just get a faint pounding sound for the background. <laughs> let me out. Let me out. <laughs> all right, so, so, Chris, a little more color on this. So what happened now? Uh, well, here's the reason. The reason that Charter was was found to be at fault by uh, by the court, I believe, is because they had ignored multiple warning signs that this person may not have been um, uh, suitable to be interacting with the public, and and that they should have maybe done something else. But um, the, the jury, I believe, awarded uh, the the plaintiff seven billion dollars, and it's pretty common that that is a very large award that then a future court will knock down to something, or it'll be negotiated down in some way. Charter will be will be charged much less. But the issue is, what is Charter's responsibility in this case for a contractor? And what is Frontier's responsibility? And also, like, knowing that Frontier is probably literally hiring people at such a cheap rate that they couldn't possibly follow all the rules anyway, if I had to guess. No, I would fault Frontier because it's their, you know, you always assume contractors are going to cut corners and you have to inspect their work to make sure they don't. If you turn your up, if you turn your back on them, they're going to, because they normally get paid by the unit, foot or whatever. You know, to build fiber and they are going to cheat 
so that they can get out of there sooner. That's just a given. And so mm -hmm. Frontier wasn't watching their subcontractors. That's mm -hmm. completely their fault. There's no excuse for that happening. Happens all the time. Mm -hmm. but there's no excuse for it. You know, some of the companies are, you know, Verizon, they watch their contractors like a hawk. So that you just have to have a system where, where you don't let that happen to you. So um, the frontier, the, the charter one's crazy. I mean, now if they ignored warnings, they will end up paying something. Seven billion is crazy. And as much as I don't think people should die, no, no one's life is worth seven billion dollars. <laughs> so that's a lot of money. Thanks, Doug. I thought mine was, but okay, fair well, enough. You know, no, you know, if Utopia kills you, we, I guess we will bring this episode up to say, here's the amount of the award. So. Kim, I think you're approaching uh, seven figures, though. I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd give you that. Totally, totally. Well, I think everybody's seven figures, you know, that <laughs> billion now, man. That's a good number there. <laughs> seven billion dollars, huh? That's, that's insane. Yeah. But Travis, well, the question I have is more one of, you know, you you go out and you hire people. Like, what do you think the appropriate level of responsibility you should take for people that are wearing your logo? Well, at the end of the day, the buck stops with me. But, you know, I, I'm not in everybody's head either. So I don't I'm not familiar with what happened in this particular case. But, um, you know, just because I mean, I guess I'll have to read up what happened. Did they was it a personal action that they did outside of their work or were they, was it a customer? I mean, I have no idea, you know, it was the a customer. Yeah, yeah. supposedly a customer. Yeah. yeah. But if one of your employees shot somebody, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I guess to a certain extent, but you know, how, how do I know what everybody's going to do every day? You know, that's, right. it's, it's just, it's just really difficult to watch everything. Now I don't know how Kim's process works, mm -hmm. but the way our process works during a customer installation is, we are the first visit, kind of like you witnessed today, Chris. We will be the middle visit, and we will be the last visit. There will be contractors in between that do part of the work, and that's how we do our checks and balances. But, I mean, if somebody goes off the hook, I yeah, am I liable for it? No. How would I be liable for it? If somebody had a bad day, that's not, you know. Well, apparently, you need a $7 billion insurance policy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no one will write. No one would write that, so. I mean, but there are limits of, you know, governmental responsibility, too. So just right. make sure it's a governmental employee, not a, um, a contractor. But um, no, I think it, it like I think there is an important relationship between you and your contractors. But I would agree with Travis that you can't help what somebody does who goes off the rails. But for me, people ask this all the time. I have a direct line of contact with all of our contractors and they don't think that marketing and the contractors would be that closely tied in. But it's a customer experience, right? So we need to understand the customer experience and what's happening. So I'm always in communication um, with them. But you just have to make sure that you're hiring good contractors. And at least the ones, some of the ones that we have here, if we've ever had a problem, um, they've terminated the, those employees on the spot. Like, and don't they don't mess around with the relationship that we have with them and the reputation that they built. Because you were absolutely right, Chris. The first line of the reputation of Utopia Fiber is from that contractor. So I want to make sure that they are getting the best experience possible because I know my sales depend on how well that contractor is doing at the beginning of being the mainline conduit. 
And, that, and that's why Charter has some liability. If they were warned and they didn't get that guy fired, then they have definitely have some liability, so, but not that much liability. So, yeah. so a, a meta note, uh, a good host would have made sure Travis had that link before the show started rather than just springing it on him in the middle, but that's not my style. <laughs> well, no, um, I mean, I try, I try to keep up with all this stuff, but, but I just, the, I just well, don't, I don't think it matters. Like, he wanted to shock you is what he was trying yeah. to Seven <laughs> billion dollars? Yeah, I don't think so. But I, but what what matters is not seven million dollars. What matters is even less, like really, what that person did or the facts around it for this conversation. What I think is interesting is how Travis, you know, like guards against this. How Kim, you know, like talks about the the marketing of it and and Doug and your contributions as well. That's what I wanted to get out of it. So you know, for people who are like, God, these guys didn't even do any research. Like the research is your job day in and day out, and that's what I want to sort of. Pull, like sort of pull out of these conversations. So, um, but Bry writes in the chat what I had read also, um, but I appreciate Rye throwing it in there. And I don't still always understand how this works, but um, the $7 billion punitive judgment is likely to be reduced to the compensatory damages levied, uh, which is 371 million. Um, and, and so I think there's like, as with a number of these things, there's often two different like um, uh, basically fines effectively. Um, but, um, it'll be, it'll be worked out at some level and charter will take a small hit. I'm not going to go crying for charter because like they, they measure their profits in the billions. And, uh, and that's just mind blowing to me for a company that is getting billions of dollars from the federal government that were, you know, that were subsidizing companies that get billions of dollars and that make their profitable billions of dollars. So. Wait, I, I believe that qualified for he's shocked. Travis. Yeah. I'm, I am yeah, shocked. I'm shocked. Well, I mean, I, I think the reality, and I think Kim would agree, is, you know, you cannot take a cavalier attitude with people that are are you know representing you out in the, out in the street. You know, you've got to be on it. You you got to build relationships with these folks. You know, you got to understand. Uh, you know, they're out in the hundred degree weather, and I'm in here talking to you guys. You know that. Uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, we don't put up with you know problems from contractors. No, I think that's a huge point. And thanks, Mike. Um, I know we do have some of the best installers out there, but it, it is is making sure you just really have that relationship. Like for anything that happens at Utopia from like if somebody calls in with a complaint because their sprinkler is broken, there is an email that goes out that I see every single complaint that that comes in that goes to the contractors and the contractor writes back on it um, and they write back within minutes. And that's that's the kind of relationship. But one piece of advice for any communities who might be watching this is don't treat your contractor that like you're, they're like your employee that you get to order them around. It's a relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the difference that I've seen communities who are just like, oh, we tell them what to do. And I'm like, but they've been doing this for 20 years. So maybe you listen to their experience and, instead of thinking that you're the expert on putting conduit in the ground when you've never done it. <laughs> but I, I will say I did learn a lesson a number of years back and it, and it, did, it did cost me almost a million dollars. I had a contractor working for us doing sidewalk repairs. You know, you have to core hole the sidewalks to spot the utilities. Wasn't actually doing them. Was just tur was was turning in the bill and wasn't wasn't. But you know what? As much as I wanted to blame the contractor, it was actually my fault because I didn't have the proper. I, was, I wasn't checking on them. So there was the lesson I learned. And uh, guess what we do now? Check on every single one. Make sure they're stamped correctly. Make sure they're the right you know thickness. But you know, that was a hard lesson to learn because you just assumed your contractors knew what they were doing. So the moral of the story is don't just assume they're doing because they may not have your best interest in mind. That would be that. a crew that's lying to you, right? I mean, because like they, the other guys on the team, other people on the team would have known that they weren't doing that, right? It, it's usually the uh, what the head of the snake that's the problem. 
um, the, 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 the guys doing the work were not the problem. But uh, the other thing that always tips me off is when they live in a gigantic house out on the lake and I don't. So like, okay, hold on a second here. How are they making all this money? And um, so I, I call them lifestyle contractors. I try to avoid them. Okay, first of all, Travis, I, I really, we did do a connect this when you were in your um, motor home, so I'm not really feeling very sorry for you. <laughs> so I'm jealous you'll have a motor home. Yeah, we're that age now. There are literally, I, I when I was, I went down to, um, I went down to Florida on vacation with uh, my wife, and I was down there. I hung out with Kyle Hollifield, who's one of my favorite people in this industry, and uh, and he suggested this like cruise where you like uh, go up one of these lakes, and they talk about all the fancy people in their big homes and I'm just learning that it costs like more than my mortgage to fill up the tanks of some of those yachts. It's just like, <laughs> my God. They're not, they're not in the muni broadband space is what you're trying to say. Chris. Those ones are not. No. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's crazy. So um, Doug, you've had some great blog posts. Uh, the one I wanted to, to poke on to start was uh, the ACP churn and, and uh, I know Rye was very interested in that um, particularly. Um, and, and one of the things that caught our eye was well, my eye particularly was the lack of materials around um, ACP um, to for ISPs to understand it. And I'll, I'll just say that whenever I'm going to an event and I'm helping to organize it and people are like, Oh, we should get someone from the FCC to explain this program. I'm always like, no, 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 we should absolutely not do that. We should have someone who knows how to should communicate well. Travis to be there. <laughs> well, just, really just like someone that actually like yeah. is, is more worried about like making sure people understand the basics than like arguing over Picayune details. Huh? How about that Picayune? That just came in my head. Mm. I, so, I, I'm, I'm now speechless because I'm stuck on Picayune. So. <laughs> I'm Googling it. Hold on a second. But, you know. <laughs> Travis's experience aside, and even even his experience actually verifies this, ISPs are not really actively knocking on the door selling this thing. This money's all gone to resold wireless. Not even the it's not Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile. It's the guys who resell their service. That's where all the ACP money is going. And so and and, and ISPs are not in love with this program. It's a lot of work. A lot of my blog talked about how some of the little guys have just given up. They're just, they just can't wade through it. Um, and, and, you know, and then there's issues where they don't get paid because the, it seems like the, the folks there change the rules on them. And then like, you know, so it, it's not a pretty picture right now. And, but the FCC's bragging on it because the number of people are going up and up and up, but it's not going to what they think it's going for. It's not convincing people to get broadband for the first time. That's not where the money is. Right. It's mostly it's numbers that are similar to the Lifeline program, right? I mean, they're porting right. people over from an existing government subsidy. Right. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I, I really want to give Travis what he's waiting for, which is that I'm shocked. But this this is just exactly what one would expect. And it's really sad. Um, but the um, the FCC is about to vote on a budget to help promote this program, which, you know, I want to give Angela Seifer and everyone at, at National Digital Inclusion Alliance credit. There's others who saw this from the start, said that there had to be money to promote this program. Nobody listened to them. But now there is going to be money to promote the program. And that will help, I hope. It certainly can't hurt. Because yeah, right, and right now the folks who are porting folks over understand it very well. So they, you know. So. Now, Travis, you found that you can work within the program, and you getting reimbursed at a reasonable rate. I think. 
Yeah, I mean, it's flowing okay now, but we're not actively out. I mean, you got to understand the reality of when you when you start, and again, I keep calling on Kim during this, this one here, especially because when you're actually building a network and you're hooking up customers, the demand is so high and you've got such a limited amount of time that I actually forget this program even exists from time to time. So if somebody calls up, they have their ACP number, we'll take it. Otherwise, I hate to say it, we'll move on to the other you know, 4,000 people that are waiting for service right now. But I think it's a little interesting, Travis. First of all, this used to, used to be really enthusiastic about this program um, when it started. Your, your enthusiasm has waned a little bit. But well, maybe- the reality is, is everyone's using it for their cell phones. So, you know, there's, I mean, we can hunt the crumbs. But well, there's, there's, I mean, 25% of the families that are eligible for this program are using it. There's 75% that are not. And, and, but I agree with you, Travis, like you don't have expertise in trying to figure out how to market to that 75% of the, of the, the community. I don't think, well, you know, Chris, you and I have tried for what, 10 years now. We've tried everything I can think of to market, to, to deliver, you know, high speed broadband. There's just certain people that don't really want it. <laughs> I mean, I see, that's all I can think of. I mean, there's, there's no demand. I use the old analogy. I don't like beets. I don't care how you cook them. You can give them to me for free. I'm not eating them because I just, okay. I don't like it. And it's, it's, you know, there you go. And some I people, I just, they don't have a demand for, for broadband. I think what we're going to see, and I, I don't want to um, cut off um, or announce somebody's program that's happening, but Idaho Falls um, is where the operational partner with Idaho Falls Fiber um, up in Idaho that um, that they are working on something of helping the the their providers on their network promote it, and they're going to be very much part of the solution. And I think that that might be a really creative approach in order to get the uptick of subscribers because they're taking ownership that they want more people connected to their network. So they're going to take out some of the ability or go out and market the program uh, for their providers. So I would be interesting. It will be interesting to see after they launch it what they're seeing in the uptick in the, that community. Are they seeing more people um, take it? But one thing that I, I did think of, and I actually had this conversation the other day, is one of the ways that you can tell if somebody qualifies for it is that they get free lunch. And I was talking to one of my employees about it, and they said, but everybody in our, our school um, school district gets free lunch. And I was like, huh, how do you market if everybody in the school district gets free lunch? Well, and then it doesn't count because there's some yeah. entire cities like Gainesville, Florida, where every student just automatically gets free lunch. doesn't matter. Which well, it depends. If it's a Title I school, then they are all eligible for it. But yeah. it might be yeah. that the school district has decided as a matter of policy. Yeah. The question is, right. is who's right. paying for that lunch ultimately? But, but you, just put your, you just exactly put your finger on the issue. If this is ever going to be successful, it's going to have to come from community organizations who go drive people to the ISPs do not have time to do it. Travis is never going to go knock on doors with this. But if, but if somebody in his city drives people to get their their ACP number, he'll take them. So that's, you know, that's... Here, here, here's the problem we've had, Doug. I've probably talked, I don't, I'm not even kidding you, 50 different people over the last five to 10 years. They all, everybody says they're, they want to do it. I have yet to actually find one that does it. Does what? Actually <laughs> does the hard work of knocking on doors talking to families saying, you know, let's say it's a three-legged stool, technology, connectivity, and education. Which one are you missing? I I have yet to find anyone that actually does it. There are people that do it. I don't know of any in the Twin Cities. Um, That's not to say there aren't some here. I'm not, and I'm not being, trying to be a facetious. No, no, you're making a very good point that there's a lot more talk than there is work. I could have a thousand Teams (laughs) Zoom calls on this topic 
but nobody's actually going to go out on the street and actually start knocking on doors and making it. They're just, I, I have yet to find that person. I, I think one of the problems too that with that, Travis, is that you don't want to have me who goes into some of these, like if, it, if it's a diverse community and you see a person who you don't relate to trying to sell this to you, you want to be able to be a, a trusted resource in your community. And I think that is part of the problem as well is you yep. can't come from one area of town and then go to another area of town and go, why don't you, why don't you respect me and understand what I'm saying? Well, that's, why, that's why this is going to the cellular resellers because cellular resellers figured this out a long time ago. Those are local guys who sell yep. to a 10 block area. That's who sells resale cellular. And so that's the people that they've known their whole life. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a there's thousands of those guys around. And that's why that's why that works for them, because they that's how they there are little clusters of I got 100 customers. I got a thousand customers. That's mm -hmm. how they get paid. So well, it's a very me, interesting model. Well, and, and don't don't forget, and we learned this actually not that long ago. I, this is something that was new to me that if you show up and you say, "I'm here from the government and we want to help you," you turn off like eighty percent of the people. They they just slam the door, mm -hmm. and, and it's the reality. I didn't even know. No, this it's, no it's correct, and that's why you need to work through the local organizations that have the trust and, and are effective. But Travis, one of the things that. Um, that you said, I want to, I want to, I want to know that there is some number of people for whom they're, I don't want to use the internet. All right, fine. But we yep. know in talking to people and in looking at survey results, that there is still a lot of people who want to have internet access in their homes who don't have it, who cannot afford it. And the question in my mind is always, what do we do about them? And, you know, Doug has made really good points here about how, like, there's not a lot of incentive for the big cable and telephone companies or the small ones to go out and solve this problem. And this is exactly why Kim's doing what she's doing. I feel like this is why my research for 15 years and work has focused on community solutions because I just like there is there is no path to having national cable companies or even small well-run ISPs solving this problem. This is a problem of poverty. It is a complicated solution. There is a long tail of reasons and 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 challenges one has to overcome to get people onto the internet. It's not just like, oh, we'll just like give people devices. Like it's not one issue anymore. And and we have to have local work that I understand that. But also then we need to get them signed up on local networks that are designed to be run by people people that actually care about them being connected and doing well, rather than a company that's like, all right, how, how soon can I raise their bill? Um, and, and that's a big part of the issue that I just feel like is the is one of the harder parts that people aren't discussing. Yeah, remember when the, when the predecessor to ACP came out, Verizon made you upgrade to a more expensive package just to get it. Yeah. <laughs> so they got the same amount of money out of you anyway, even... I mean, you know, some of these ISPs are just despicable. And Verizon's one of the national companies we tend to like. I know. You have to have the give a crap <clears throat> attitude that you have to give a crap about the customers and what they need and what they want, right? And your community, because, pride in the community. Yeah. You no, know, because I mean, there, there's been calls that I've had at 5 p.m. on a Friday because some uh, elderly person's internet is down and they're, 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 are they're, their kids can't get access to them. And they're like, we can't go all weekend without not knowing our 90 year old grandpa is, doesn't have access or we can't see the cameras. And I'm like, we, we dispatch, but would, would the national carriers care about that customer no. as much? As they wouldn't even take the call at 4.59 on Friday. No. Well, and that's where I feel like for Travis, like Travis has a heck of an operation and he wants to give back and he's trying to figure out different ways of doing that. 
but at the end of the day, like it's also not the highest priority. And I feel like if we want to solve this issue, the net we need to have networks not necessarily blanketing the entire city, but in the hardest hit neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. I think we need networks that for whom they it is their top goal. Like their 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 top goal is to basically lose as little money as possible, but to connect as many people as possible and to find business models that will move in that direction. Um and I just, that's, you know, I mean, all the, everything I've seen suggests that that's the case because like someone like Travis is like trying over and over again, but like he, he runs into predictable brick walls. Trouble is there's not a lot of people who are trying to do what you just said. That's what we all know that was the solution, but who's, there's some, so I don't want to say there's none, but. <clears throat> creative solutions. Like this is one that we have <clears throat> in some lower income areas is that people don't understand. Our base bill is $65 all in. But I said, what if somebody, there's a lot of community cleanups. So what if somebody goes to a community cleanup, then they would get one month of Utopia for free if they they participated in that. It's about being like, how can we be creative? How can we get into the community, entrench ourselves in the community to really expand um, connectivity instead of just um, like the revenue based of it? So it's it's a whole different game. Yeah. And I, and I think one of the things is I still, I mean, Doug, I can't even imagine how you feel. Um, you know, Travis, you've been in this forever. And like, for me, I feel like, all right, we're finally at a point where everyone gets this. And then I just, you know, I'm at a, a football game or a soccer game or something. And I'm like talking to people about, it. I'm like, oh man, like you don't even, like, you don't know the difference between like your phone system and the broadband system, you know, like it's all just. <laughs> We've been doing surveys for 20 years, you know, 80 percent of people don't even know who their isp is exactly that's my point it's like, i feel like it's just a people are so confused by it. i don't remember yeah. I, I yeah. Much do you get i have no idea right. in my super sophisticated polling of dating life um you I, I don't even try to tell people what i do anymore because they're like internet i don't get it so i'm just like let's just never talk about my job but it's uh Nobody like nobody cares about internet as much as we do care about the internet. Or if you don't, or if you're not connected, it's not the middle people at all that that, that even are educated on this topic. Uh, Travis uh, and um, I'm curious about uh, if you were forced to. Um, with the knowledge you have about wireless um, to try to figure out how one accurately maps where wireless is available uh, and for the purposes of FCC's um, mapping and whatnot, what do you do? Oh, well, that's easy. I thought you were going to ask me something difficult. Um, <laughs> I'm writing, I'm going to write this down. Yeah, seriously. Um, I'm going to hit the record button. At, at what definition? 25.3? Uh, at any at a at a given definition, so whether it's 120, you know, but but any given speed, how do you, um, how would well, you? Do you want do you want the reality or do you want like propagation maps and all that stuff? Reality. <sighs> Boy, that's a that is a tough one. <laughs> I thought it was easy. So. Yeah. No. The the only way I've ever figured this out is 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 having the ability to collect endpoint statistics off of these wireless networks. But none of the wireless providers are doing that. And wireless is the most variable technology. I mean, the world Kim and I live in a fiber is very predictable. But wireless, you know, day, night, obstructions. Um, humidity, you, know, you name humidity, it. Humidity, you know. Um, yes, you got, yes. you know, I mean, the list just goes on and on. If you've ever worked in wireless before, it's one of the most frustrating technologies you'll ever work in. So I think a lot of it is just best guess. I started in the wireless world. 
built you know, 45 years ago. And the first guy I worked with taught me wireless is art, not science. And it still oh. is today. It still is today. It's I mean, so it's not predictable. It's not I'm predictable. just wondering how you would map it because a lot of these wireless guys want that you can sign up for service, but once the installers get out there, they're like, oh no, this is not Oh, I'm work. sorry. It doesn't work here at your house. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which has right. been going on for decades with DSL as well. Right. Yeah, so well, I, 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 don't have, I don't have a good challenge. Answer the real challenge is this new FWA cellular stuff because they're just blasting in every direction from every cell tower. And sometimes it reaches three miles and sometimes it doesn't go a quarter mile. It just depends on where they're yeah. at. Right? And then, it, you know, are, are the leaves, <laughs> is, is it now, is it August? Is it winter, summer, right? Leaves out or are there no leaves? You know, it, it, it just, it's very inconsistent. You know, Monday night when the spectrum's jam-packed full, you know, it's going to be a different experience than it is at 4 a.m. I mean, remember when I was out of my, going back to my RV, I'd get up at 4 a.m. to use my LTE connection and do my emails because nobody was on the, nobody was on the uh, channel. And so you know, I'm starting, I'm about, my grandparents had a party line back in the day. You know, you'd pick it up and see if somebody was on there. That's what wireless is. It's just the modern party line for broadband. Wow, that's someone tell Gary Bolton that. I bet we'll hear it a hundred times in the next year. <laughs> it's a great line. It is a good um, line. <laughs> Gary um, Bolton, the singer. Yes, yes. Oh, the no, okay, I don't know. No, <laughs> that's Michael Bolton. He runs the Fiber Broadband um, Association. Um, and um, you know, I, you know, I, 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 wow, that sounded great. Um, trying to figure out, I, I would just say that, like, fixed wireless is there are important roles for it. I don't want to diminish that, but it is a real challenge to be able to depend upon it in the same way. Um, there's a question from Rye as to whether, uh, and then I think Travis's answer regarding LTE fixed is whether it's a difference between licensed and unlicensed, and I think pretty small if there is. Well, here's what I will tell you. Cable, cable to Doxis and all the LTE technologies will work wonderfully wherever there's a fiber provider in the area because they, the fiber provider will take 50 to 70% of the load and all the customers and, and then the last 25% can be fought off between the rest. If, if all you have is LTE in your area, it's going to be terrible. Bad. If all you're going to have is, is, is large node Doxis in your area, it's going to be bad. So, but I'm just a fiber guy, that's it. Because you know what, I sleep so good at night. Kim, do you do you worry when the weather comes through that there's going to be problems, or when the it's Monday night and Netflix is streaming like crazy? Do you ever worry about any of that? I do. I worry about it if it's a city with a lot of pole attachments and they're. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, the, these are all issues wireless people worry about. Fiber right. people just sleep through the night without a problem. But, but he's absolutely right. I just work with a city where 93% of the customers use the cable company and the service is terrible because yeah. it's too many people on the network. So, And that, that's what it ultimately comes down to. I mean, these technologies are okay if it's just you on them. Well, if there's just one person on any of them, it'll be fine. Get, get your 5,000th person on there and see how it works. Anything we want to wrap up with? I have, I, I'll raise my hand like Travis or Travis. Yes, birthday girl. I, <laughs> I birthday just woman. Know, yes. Um, like I'm only 18. Um, I just want to know, I'm really impressed, Travis, that you have so much knowledge um, on this industry still when you're spending all this time in your RV and your yacht. So I just want <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. No, this is trial and error, which by the way, the current trials are 
Tarana. That's what I wanted to ask you about, and I forgot. I'm glad you remember. Uh, Tarana is going up next week, so we're going to uh, see if this is the it's new It's always greatest. next week, just so you know. It's yeah, I don't know. You know, this try, trying to get people to work nowadays is not easy. Uh, Tarana, we'll see if this is the greatest mousetrap. Uh, we're playing with XGS Pawn. I just want to get educated on that. Um, not sure we'll roll any of it out, but uh, just to be educated on it. 100 gigabit uh, optics. A lot, of, a lot of neat stuff happening right now. And people better get their orders in uh, in case we have a chipset shortage out of Taiwan. So we, we, uh, we're, we're going to bring everything in uh, for 24 next year. If we get a chipset problem out of Taiwan, we're all dead in this industry. Yeah, exactly. We may not have an industry. Yeah. No, we have the, the Chips Act is passed. I think Intel will start producing chips on like Tuesday. That's what it takes, right? That's how it works, right? No, Intel doesn't really produce chips. They design chips, and then the people in Taiwan make them. That's how that happens. Oh, see, I don't even – this is a, a total education. It, but there are fab units being built around Mesa, Arizona, right? Like, isn't there a whole thing going in around there? Yes, but but well, this is a long story. But chip manuf the vendors who make them specialize in certain kinds of chips only because there's so many different kinds of chips. Some make the little cheap ones for your radios and – and some of them make the ones for cars, and some make the ones for broadband. So, you know, it, the right kind of chip guys have to be here, too. So if they put enough money into new factories, that's really going to help. That really, But that, that's that's three to four years to roll out a brand yeah. new chip factory. It's very yeah, that's what I figured you'd say. It's very sophisticated technology. Yeah, so. And I, I do have a, one more question, and I'll have this one for Doug, because I'm hearing the rumblings that – some people are seeing these projects slow down with the interest rate hikes and what we're seeing and that the, some vendors are saying their phone is are not ringing as much as they were even three months ago. Are you seeing that in your um, space? Or are you still seeing like that? I have folks who are concerned about the interest rates. There, there are new projects. If they go up much more, there's people who will delay their projects. This is, these are commercial folks so far. <clears throat> interest rates matter. So, right. And I think there's a the reason that they would delay. I think is because there's a belief that this is transient, right? I mean, yeah. Travis believes that we're going to die with high interest rates now. But yeah, I mean, if some if you're building a non-grant project and they go high, you go like, I'll just wait two years until the interest rates go back. And, and, and remember, that's the world we always used to live in until the last ten years. This has been the most bizarre time economically, where the rates didn't change for ten years. It used to go up and down and up and down all the time. So we're just getting back to that. So. No, 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 it's it's. Go ahead, Travis. Go ahead, hit me, fillet me. <laughs> no, no, I was just gonna say, you know, the wise wizard once told me, "Watch out for a hundred dollar internet, and it is coming quick." <laughs> yeah, I've even had people on CenturyLink who, if they if they mess up their, you know, they were on this sixty five dollar for life gigabit program, but if for some reason their credit card number changes or expires, they oh. now are paying eighty dollars for life. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, hundred dollars. <laughs> here we come. $100 for as long as you can keep your credit card. Yeah. $65, did they have that in the, like, the little thing if your credit card expires? I don't know. That I've just been hearing stories about people that there, are... Uh, there, were, there were people who supposedly got the, the big deal from CenturyLink. Who, they didn't record that anywhere at corporate, so the corporate didn't know about those deals. Yeah. That was a local salesperson selling Internet for Life that didn't actually exist. <laughs> yeah. For the life of the sales job. Right. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I, you know, as far as products go, though, I don't know. It's been pretty easy lately to get stuff the last month or so. I don't know if I don't know if people are seeing that. It wasn't it wasn't like it was a little while ago. So things are uh, things. Well, are I moving. think that I think that all the vendors have stepped up their game to really go to full mass production. You'd hope and so. Some, this is the way markets are supposed to work. 
Well, some of the underlying supply chains have gotten better. It's easier to get the materials to make conduit. I mean, some of that stuff has gotten better. So that helps. See, I, I got it. I have a different theory. Maybe this is true. Maybe it's not. Is if your money's good and you're paying your bills, you're going to get product. The, the people that are slow pays and are difficult customers, I think they're having a little challenge. So if you were that, or if you're brand new, brand new, or if you're brand new, yeah, because I, yeah. I know the fiber guys said what I say 104 weeks. And they're still, I said 104 months, but 104 weeks to get fiber right now. Right. If you're new. Right. Well, guys, uh, next week we are not going to do a show. Um, and we're not going to end this one right now because Travis put his finger up. Just one thing, Chris. What is up with the Tuesday podcast? Are you just like, is it kind of half? It just came out. Or? No, it came out, didn't it? We launched it Tuesday morning. I, Travis, I yeah, promoted well, it. A little inconsistent there, so you're messing up my Tuesday morning. Pots and Pans comes out like the atomic clock. I mean, every day. But that that podcast eh, a little iffy lately. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a you know, it's been a summer, and uh, um, uh, <laughs> we need we need you to step up your game, sir. Yeah, you know, I uh, I got a family. I got uh, I got rooms to renovate. I he's got to uh, he's got to blame he's got to blame it on the subcontractor. No, so yeah. here's the thing, right? Like I do, I know that. I know that I'm I'm super important. Um, you know, I know that the world needs my my content on a weekly basis. I was just listening to I listened I started listening to this podcast, The Daily Stoic, which um, is really pretty cool about stoicism. I didn't really know anything about it until I started listening to it. And um, interesting, Marcus Aurelius and all this stuff. But like, tells a story about um, um, oh now I'm blanking on her name. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King's wife uh, was um, uh, taking a call from. Uh, um, wow, this story worked better. Five minutes, like not even like 20, 20 seconds. Ago, I remember the name. Hey, hey, yeah. Do you need my pillow cover so you can yeah, have this? Right, right. I'm, I'm <laughs> such a big deal. I can't even remember anything. I, um, the, uh, anyway, the, the gist of the story is basically that like, she's, she doesn't have any help and like, she's like trying to help with important parts of the civil rights movement. And she's also like worrying about whether or not there's milk in the fridge and the kids are getting home from school and all this stuff. And, and the person is like, well, you need help. And she's like, Oh, like doctor, doctor, you know, my husband, um, whatever, however she addressed him, uh, doesn't think it's appropriate that, you know, a minister like, you know, sort of has help like that. And then and the person's like, no, 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 I'll pay for the person, whatever. Like I just, you need to focus on the work <laughs> and not focus on that. And I'll just note that, like, I know that my focus on remodeling my home and going camping um, is setting back the United States for years in our in our fiber deployment. And I'm sorry for being so selfish, but I will not hire a contractor. <laughs> You're doing it all yourself. Yeah. 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 No, I am. I, I wired the well, ceiling fan, and, and it works. Yeah. Okay, last, Tim, this has been going on for years. He did the basement last year. Now he's doing. Oh, no, 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 no. The basement's been going on for years. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually now that Jackson's room is more or less done. I'm actually heading back into the basement to put in uh, to replace the uh, dryer vent to the outside and sheetrock that. Although I don't do the mudding and taping myself, but uh, yeah. So I, now I'm convinced that we are behind on our broadband news. If that's how much time you have to keep doing. <laughs> You're not dedicated. I, I live my life. I do this work. I run my photography company. I do remodeling and I play Forza Horizon 3 with my son, which is sometimes long after he goes to bed. I'm still playing it with him. And um, Forza Horizon 5, sorry. And um, uh, somehow I find time for all that. Well done. Yeah. Well done. It's a, it's an amazing life. I mean, the thing about stoicism is like they're always like asking, like, are you like sort of happy, like this and that? And I'm like, yeah, like I wouldn't trade anything. This is amazing. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> my life consists of getting up. I mean, if you want to see how sad my life is, last Sunday, I got up at 3.45 and started working. And I took one hour to go to Pilates and then shut my computer at 9.45 p.m. That's how yeah. sad my life is about broadband. Yeah. Yep. Right? I think at this point, Rye needs to cut us off. <laughs> well, let me, let me end with this. Let me say this. One of the things that I did notice, and like, so Michelle works for the city of Minneapolis and the cities, the cities and the, um, and, and the, the federal government, they run on the goodwill of people. Like I think what Kim just described, the goodwill of people. Right. And like Kim, because of like dedication to the job, like it's very hard to have a good family life. And and the people I know who are in those positions, whether they're at local, state, or federal level, they end up getting divorced. Uh, many at the federal level, uh, uh, you know, have alcoholism issues uh, because they give everything and like, and it's never enough. And um, and I just think it's important for people that want to do this work. Um, you need to know how to set boundaries and do important work. But at the end of the day, like um, people need to uh, live healthy lives and be happy. So. That's important. I feel like I just got my um um my PSA message. So yes, yes, sir. I'll I'll, I'll yeah. I want to talk to I want to talk to Doug's wife next. So <laughs> when I get to five o'clock, I don't even have the word broadband in my vocabulary. I'm done. <laughs> I don't work to nine thirty at night. So you you have to have a line there. So I, yeah. I think you do, but I think that at least in my opinion, I'll say this as my last statement is right now. I think is the crux part of where America is in a broad our broadband journey. And uh, I think that there are some important things happening right now that I think that Utopia especially has a, um, an important role in. So I, yes, Chris, I agree with you. I tend to work too much. And that is why I was yelled at yesterday that I was not allowed to work on my birthday and I was uh, forced to put my computer shut. So I, I do have some great people in my life, which are my employees and my boss who both told me that. <laughs> That's good. And also I think many of us are blessed to be doing work that we love doing. So um, kudos to that. Uh, we're not going to do a show next week because it is tribal broadband boot camp week. We're going up to Oregon. Uh, the University of Oregon is hosting the Burns Paiute tribe, uh, hosting, uh, co-hosting. We're going to have a, a good week, hopefully. Uh, a lot of different folks talking about fiber optics and, and uh, wireless in, in um, Indian country. And uh, we're planning more of those for next year. Um, and uh, also, uh, soon we should have a post about it, but we're talking about urban broadband boot camps as well, like two-day affairs to help people really get rapidly uh, upschooled in terms of understanding uh, some of the stuff, what the opportunities are, and just not being intimidated by the technology. So uh, people want to poke me on that, you can feel free to, and I'll be happy to ignore your emails like I do with everyone else, apparently. I just, I go to bed, I do feel bad going to bed thinking about my inbox. So I'm sorry about that for anyone who's waiting for a response. With that, it's been a fun episode of Connect This. Connect This.